0: In today's show, here I am, live on YouTube, ready to take your questions. Michael Bolton, he's in the background somewhere. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore b and on Instagram at Locked On fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Here we are live on YouTube. Hello to everyone who is here. Um, live in the room at the moment, ready to uh, ready to answer, or not answer, ready to ask me um, some questions. And we're gonna get into those questions straight away. So let's see what you guys have got for me. Francisco, Francisco Ennis, would you prefer building a team around Halliburton or Giddy? Hmm, eh, He's a tough one, isn't it? Really like what Giddy's doing. He's obviously super young. He's what, two to three years younger than Halliburton. I know they're only one year apart in NBA experience. But Halliburton came in as a as a two-year college player, and Giddy came in as like almost the youngest player in the draft. Um, Giddy's got the extra size. Halliburton's got the shooting. They're both suspect defensively. That is that is a tough one. Oh, look, because it's a coin toss, I'll just go with my mate from yeah my country, and that's Josh Giddy. But it is pretty close to me, and I could easily be swayed either way on that one. What do we do with Capella? I'm in mean, an 18 points league. I always have Bogdanovich and Collins on my squad. I don't care that you've got Bogdanovich and Collins on your squad. That doesn't mean anything. People overreact so much. To I've got two players from the same team. I've got three from the same team. It doesn't matter. It's totally fine. What do you do with Capella in an eight-team head-to-head points league? Well, you're in an eight-team head-to-head points league, so you're rostering less than 100 players most likely across that league. And if Clint Capella is not one of the best 80 players in that league, especially over the last month, you drop him. You can see what he's averaging in your league, and you can see what the guys on the wire are averaging. And in an eight-team league, there is so much on the wire that even those guys on the wire, whatever they're averaging, say they're averaging twenty, give them twenty percent extra, make them they, they turn into a twenty-five point player because you can stream that spot in. And if Capella's not giving you at that, see you later, bye bye. Be harsh, get rid of him. All my thoughts on Jalen Smith for a nine-cat twelve-team league. I think that Jalen Smith is in a crowded situation. At the moment, well, at the moment, there's no Turner. Goga was out last game. There's no Jackson. And we're still not getting good minutes from him. We're getting okay minutes. I think he's all right, but he's still got to get past Brissett and Jackson and Goga and Turner and, and Taylor and, and a million other guys that seem to push into those roles. So while there is potential there for him, there's just too many bodies, I think, at this point for Smith to be someone that I'd be grabbing and holding on to under every circumstance for a, uh, for a category league or a 12-team league. Um, okay. How did I discover Jack Armstrong? Watching Raptors games. Like, I watch every game. Oh, actually, that's not true. Before that bullshit gets out there, it is literally impossible for somebody to watch every game. I watch games, and I try to watch as, as many games as I can. I'm watching games all through the day. I can't watch every game at all points, but I'm always watching the different teams and making sure hey, I haven't seen the Raptors for a while. Let's tune into them. And you see it plus you know when you're heavily embedded in the nba environment you know the memes of what people say and how things go like you know these things so yeah i'd see i've watched hundreds of raptors games i guess over the years joaquin sandoval hope you're doing well i'm doing all right thanks for asking i really want to know what chumura kiki's outlook is looking like moving forward now that he's getting more minutes do i think he'll be starting over Bumba soon i would hope so and i think a change and this happens quite a bit is that there's a big reset post all-star break it's teams will look and they'll go, right, where, where are we? We're two thirds of the way through the season. Um, what are our aims for the rest of the year? Let's dig in for this week and make changes to our schemes, make changes to how hey, well, you're not going to play as much anymore. Shout out to Eric Gordon in Houston. Maybe, hopefully, we don't know. Yeah, you're Gary Harris, maybe your role's reduced. Maybe you get bought out for whatever reason because that, that doesn't benefit Orlando at all, but they'll probably do it. The Bumba and Carter thing's not really working all that well. Tumor's stepping up. I think there is room for him to improve, but there is also, of course, the yokai, Jonathan Isaac. Does he ever return? Does he exist? Is he floating on a spiritual plane somewhere? Is he out there signing books and making Fox News appearances? I don't know what he's doing. Actually, I know what he's doing. He's doing those last two things. He's not playing basketball. But if he was to return, then Shumura Kiki's value goes in the toilet, like it's done. But I think he's absolutely a 12-team league guy for now, and it's pushing higher with the somewhat struggle that Bumba's having. And that combination of Bumber and Carter just isn't working particularly well. Jack Liston, one of my thoughts on Kleber, 12 team, nine cat, rest of the season. I think he'll be there or thereabouts. You'll get a stretch where he's a top 70 player, a top 80 player. You'll get a stretch where he's a top 170 player. Um, his value is steals. Sorry, it's not steals. It's blocks and threes. And that's a combination that's not particularly common, but it might come in five blocks and then have four games with zero blocks. And he looks trash or he scores 15 points and he scores six points. He's absolutely fine to have in a 12-team league and you clearly prioritize him over someone like Dwight Powell, but he's more of a fringe guy versus a foundation guy. Do I like having turnovers as a category in head-to-head? If no, why not? No, I don't like having them. I don't think they're an indicator of a player's ability at all. Um, I don't like having the negative category for a start. Um, I have it in most of my leagues because it is the standard thing, but there are a lot of things about the standard categories that were set up 20 plus years ago, which I don't think are great. As I've said, field goal percentage, bad category. It's not a great way to evaluate a player's ability on the court because of the way that three-point shooting has come, but we still use it as a standard category. Turnovers, not a good category. Three-pointers made, a terrible category. But you know, finding that right balance of things is not particularly easy. And then getting everyone to change to that is not particularly easy either. But yeah, so that, that's why we stick with those. I don't like them. I don't like those three categories, but they're here and I think they're here to stay. Okay. Let's get into some more questions. Who would I rather have in real life? OG Ananobi or Tyrese Halliburton? probably OG. Yeah, probably OG. Like, having a guy who's a probably top five defender in the NBA, um, who has shown an ability to up his offense when needed, there's going to be some shaky stuff there. That's, yeah, elite to me. And while he will probably never be an all-star OG, and maybe Tyrese can because he can flash more flashier stats, yeah, OG is like a Mikael Bridges. Like, absolutely invaluable to a team that wants to win a title so i i would take og there where do i see ingram's projection going for well i'm not going to tell you what my exact projection is because of course i do this stuff and it's for all our paid members to see what their projection is at a point c but safe to say that what he was doing before cj arrived is going to drop off a little bit and we've seen that already and then if zion actually does return who knows it'll drop off even further so there's a little bit of a come down coming here um Talal Sagich, Sag, Sagija, I'm sorry, I'm sorry mispronounced that, hypothetical, but if the delicate dancer, that is Alperen Shengun, for those of you uninitiated, had the reins of a starting spot next year, increased minutes in production, where would you draft him? Well, you're right, there is a lot of hypotheticals there. Where would I draft Shengun? Well, I, what I know would happen with Shengun in this situation is that he would um, get overdrafted. I would probably, again, not knowing, projections, all projections and all rankings are a a whole league thing. They're not an individual. So I could say that I project Shengguin to average 16 and eight, four assists, one steal, 1.5 blocks. So I could say he projects to average that. Depending on how the rest of the league shakes out and how projections look around the league, that might be the 60th best player, might be the 80th best player or the 90th best player, because projections are all relative to the rest of the league and how that fits in. So. That, that's number one that makes it hard for me to say that. And uh, projections are all a big part of a 500-piece puzzle, basically. But what I would suggest at this point, my early thought would say, all right, he is the starter. He's playing 30 minutes. I would probably feel okay about him at pick 80, and I would be certain that he goes in the 50s. And despite me liking him, I'd probably end up spending most of preseason next year um, pushing back on people taking him in round four and make me feel like I don't like him. I think that's what would end up happening, but I don't know, of course. Favorite basketball movie, Arrestus. I know I've said this before, I don't really watch many basketball movies. Yeah, if I want to watch sports, I watch sports rather than something that's scripted about sports. I know people say, oh, he got game, he's great, or I love Space Jam. I just, if I'm gonna watch a movie, I watch a movie. Like if I don't watch sports, I watch sports. I don't really watch the two of those crossing over um, at all. I've seen a few of them, but it's not something I seek out to watch. Do I watch Euro League? I do not. Don't even watch my local league here because I'm just focusing on the NBA too much. Is 25 minute a game Thad Young a 12 team ad? 25 minute a game Thad Young? Yes. Getting to 25? That might be hard. Fang Xiang Wei says Yahoo Standard League? I have both Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith. Who should I drop? I think that Jackson has by far the higher upside there. I would drop Smith, but. It could end up that both of them have value. It could have Smiths better. It could have that neither of them have value. There's still so many unknowns there. I would take Jackson over Smith, um, as things currently stand. But as things currently stand, football's over. We know that we're done with football. Um, and the NBA is absolutely rocking and rolling. So the best place for all of your bets. Is at Bet Online, the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Bet Online remains the best spot for sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right next to the Olympic coverage and information. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online is where the game starts. Hamburglar says, Am I worried about Barton's benching last night? No, I'm not. Bryn Forbes got super hot. Well, Barton was super cold. That'll just happen. Just expect Barton to come and play 33 minutes in the next game. Like, I'm not really worried uh, about that at all. Hacey Wilhelm, would you recommend having a keeper spot in fantasy? What do you mean? Like turning your league into a keeper league? Um, that's There's no right answer to that. It's not like, yes, you must have a keeper spot. Um, if you do decide to go down the keeper route, having one spot is actually pointless. It's just, it's so stupid, I think. I think having anything less than like 6 is is stupid and honestly if I'm playing a league that rolls over year to year to year it's dynasty to me Not like I get to keep 3 players or I get to keep 4 players it's either I keep my whole roster or nothing that's the way I like to do it keeping one is is stupid I I think it's actually just pointless Do I think Gafford will be unlimited minutes today? Yes, I do. He is off the injury report, there'll be him and uh, Tom Bryant looks like he's playing as well. Can I tell us the category weightings when looking at player ratings projections on BBM? Yeah, look, I will tell you that. Um, I'll tell you what I set it at. This is not like official stuff on, on Basketball Monster or anything, at all, uh, anything like that. But when I look at rankings to try and give myself a better idea of how to value players, knowing the way that categories go and scarcity of things off the wire and the way that low volume categories can really boost players' rankings, what I do is I turn the three-pointers down to 0.8. Everything, everything's a one. I turn three-pointers down to 0.8 because your high three-pointer guy gets bumped up a lot and they are so um, available on the wire. I bump steals down to 0.7 and I bump blocks down to 0.8. Again, because there's such low volume categories, they're going from like one steal to 1.2 steals, which is nothing over the course of a week, might bump a player 30 ranking spot. So I really do drop the value of those lower volume categories and then something that's more abundant like threes as well. So I put threes at 0.8, steals at 0.7 and blocks at 0.8. That's how I set it up. I've been pretty happy. It's not a huge change. It does just drop the guys like a Matisse Theibel instead of, hey, Theibel's the 80th best player. Well, in this, in the way I've set it up, it's like 150th, But I think feels more more right as to where you should value him. Not like, oh my God, he's a top 100. He's got to be one of your best players ever, which is just, I don't think, an accurate way of looking at his value. That's, that's how I see it anyway. Am I a fan of All-Star Weekend? No, I am not, Jake. Again, I have been working seven days a week since probably August and um, having five days off is bloody brilliant. And you know, watching an all-star game, I haven't watched an all-star game in years. Um, dunk contests, I'm just not interested in it. Like it's all well and good and I, I love the honors for these guys. You know, getting picked in the all-star game, I think it's great to be able to do it. I just have no interest in in watching it. I just want a couple of days off to be honest. Um. All right, what else have we got here? What's my favorite dog breed? Well, I only have one dog. So let's go with a Jack Russell Chihuahua. That's what he is. Big Obi. The big fella. What's my prediction for top five fantasy players by the end of the season? Well, let me tell you who I have projected for top five for end of season. Jokic, Embiid, Harden, Durant, and LeBron. That's all on a per-game basis. Of course, Harden's not playing at the moment. Durant's out. But it's, it's pretty close between a lot of these guys that, yeah, that... James Towns, Jim Butler, Trey Young, all those guys are are in that mix for that top five. I actually have Steph down a little bit lower there. But yeah, Jokic, Jokic, Embiid, Harden, Durant, LeBron on a per-game basis rest of season is how I've got them. But I don't don't know if that really means a a huge amount, does it? Is Halliburton going second-round drafts next season in category formats? Okay, here's the question. The answer is I've got no idea. Because again, I don't know what Indiana's doing. Are they going to keep Brogdon? Are they going to trade Brogdon? Are they going to go all in and bring other players there? I think it's legitimate to say there is a chance that Halliburton goes in round two, but it would be very um, irresponsible for me to just come out and say it because so much stuff happens. Look, there is a lot. Who's to say, and it won't, but who's to say he doesn't get traded? I don't know. It's very, very hard to know that. Okay, what else have we got here? What are my thoughts on Giddy being a sell high? Yeah, I think he is. He's putting up some really big numbers. And while I like Josh Giddey, and I've been telling you all season, I think he's a must roster player. I don't view, Obi is losing his mind. I don't think he should be considered a top 50 guy, which is where his current value is. So I think he is a sell high. What did I do before my fan, fancy analyst career took off? I was a pharmacist. I think most people know that. But again, there's always new people here. So I appreciate the questions. It's always good to have that. I don't know what, I don't know what Obi's problem is. Ben Simmons' rest-of-season projections? Yep, it's on basketballmonster.com. Again, I do these projections for every player, so I can't just give out here my specific stat numbers for these guys when there are people paying for that stuff. Is DeJounte Murray a first-round pick next season? Much like I said for Halliburton. Maybe. Don't know. I probably wouldn't do it, but I'm a long way away from doing that. Do I think Josh Christopher is a pickup now that Gordon is out? What, for today? Um, No, I wouldn't have thought so. Gordon's missing today's game. Right, that's that's what he's missing. Um, and then there's the break of seven days and he'll probably be back. Now, whether they decide that he's not going to play or they're going to limit his minutes, we are a long way away from Josh Christopher getting there, especially since they introduced Dennis Schroeder and decided, yes, um, using a terrible point guard over our young developing first round player is the right way to do things. But that's what they decided. So there we go. Do I think Jalen Green will improve after the All-Star break with more usage? How's he getting more usage? Do you think Kevin Porter and Christian Wood are just saying, here, take the ball? I don't think that'll happen. Do I think he'll improve his shooting numbers? Probably. It's a pretty common pattern for rookies to do that in the second half of the season or in the last six weeks of the season. So I do expect Green to have some improvements. I don't think there's any reason to be holding him in 12-team leagues. They're hoping that that happens because it might not. And it might take three or four more weeks or it just might not come. Like, he might be great. He might still be bad, though. Maybe he's just bad. There's, there are, the NBA is littered with examples of top five picks who just are bad. I'm not saying that that's him, but just because he was a high pick doesn't mean he's good. Shout out Dion Waiters, Thomas Robinson, Derek Williams, Hashim Thabit, Marvin Bagley. Like, uh, how many? Uh, there's so many of them. These are all top five guys that weren't good. And maybe Green's that. We can't rule that out. Because of the guys in the top five, Cunningham, Mobley, Suggs, Barnes, only one of them hasn't been good so far. So the others I feel good about saying they're not going to be bad green I can't rule that out I, I, I think he's going to be good still but I can't rule it out can I should go bears minutes ramp up they, they definitely will there's no need to worry about that they will definitely ramp up okay when do I think Alex Crusoe comes back well all I've got to go by is um, yeah, what the team says so probably looking first week of March maybe 10th of March at latest should be ramping back up post all-star break and then coming back in that time That's that's my guess Did you know you could take advantage of the IL and IL Plus spot to set future lineups in advance? Yes. Now, Someone mentioned, there was this big thing the other day, people talking about it. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about, this glitch. Yes, I was well aware of this this issue with it, where you can set your lineups in advance, where if you go through, um, you've got to have two injured reserve eligible players to do it. So what you do is like on the Monday, you've got two injured guys, but you go through to all the days in advance and you just switch those guys in and out of the injured slots on days that they're not playing. So if that guy happens to be healthy, then you actually get the benefit of that guy in there. But what it does do is if you do end up with a healthy player in your injured reserve slot, you can't make any waiver move. So while it's a glitch, so to speak, say, for example, I've got Anthony Davis and I've got Donovan Mitchell on my team and they're both injured reserve eligible and I go through the weekend and they're playing opposite days to each other and I slide one guy to injured reserve and one guy out, in and out, in and out. But they're both expected to be healthy after the first day, right? So I've got that extra benefit of, of moving them in and out of that injured slot, but I can't actually make any streaming moves because when once we get down to that Thursday and I've got a healthy player, Donovan Mitchell, sitting in my injured slot, it won't let me make a move to, to stream guys in. So while it's sort of a glitch and it's sort of an advantage, it might not end up being an advantage because you can't make those moves when a guy's sitting in that spot and he's healthy. Are we picking up pain for the IL in case pain, CP3 is out for a while? Yeah, I think that's a good move. You've got a week to sit on it. With the with, We don't know when pain's coming back. It looks like he'll be back post All-Star. And there's a chance he can put up some big numbers if Chris Paul is out. There's a couple of ifs there. But yeah, it's it's, it's solid. What are my opinion on Killian Hayes? I really like Killian Hayes as a prospect. Um, and he's been really bad so far. I don't think he's been given... A fair shake at all. I think he's already an above-average defender. A pretty good passer. The problem is his passiveness on offense and his lack of shooting. I The Pistons have, got, have gone nowhere for two years, yet they still don't really give him the right opportunities and put him in the right spot, which frustrates me. But he's not living up to anything close to what I thought he would be. And I think at this point, best-case scenario for him, he's probably going to end up being a backup point guard. But I've still, I have still haven't fully given up hope on him. Am I expecting Hayward back at all this season? Yes, yes. What would you say to a commish that doesn't think you should be able to switch your keepers from year to year? Am I the only one that thinks that's stupid? What? So this guy thinks, sorry. So this guy thinks that you pick keepers and then you have to keep that player forever and you can't change who you keep at the end of the next season. Unless that's the league rule when the league starts, this bloke's out of his mind. Like It makes no sense whatsoever like will you start the league here are the guys that i keep until they retire if that's what the league rules are sure if he's just talking out of his ass then i guess he's talking out of his ass because that's exactly what it feels like but i'm not talking out of my ass by telling you that Bilt bar is the best tasting protein bar ever have you given up on new year's resolutions don't have to like you can still do it get a bar that's packed full of protein like Bilt bar Actually, just remaking our home gym downstairs as well in the garage, re- redoing that. That'll be nice. And I'll get some built Bars into me because they taste delicious like a candy bar, but they're not full of fat or sugar or they're not high carbs, but they're actually high protein and they taste bloody great. So get yourself boxes and boxes of these built Bars. Coconut is pretty good. Cookies and cream, it's the GOAT. No cap. Get the boxes of built Bars, get all these flavors, get to built.com and use the code locked15 that's l o c k e d 1 5 for your boxes of built bar built bar is built different all right let's go through some more questions what's my favorite advanced stat i don't think you can rely on one advanced stat what you have to do is look at everything in totality so the ones that i use you now is true shooting even considered an advanced stat anymore probably not i like to look at that in conjunction with usage. There's two that I start with. I like to look at Raptor. I like to look at Darko. I like to look at EPM. I like to look at LeBron. Right, they're the four all-in-one metrics that I like to look at. Then I will look at a little bit at BPM, at box plus minus. I look at on-off and net rating. And getting all of those things together gives me a more complete picture of, um, of what I'm doing with a player. There's not one single thing that I go, this is the number that tells me everything. But if every one of these is telling me a certain thing, then I've got to pay attention to it. Like if every one of them is saying something, then you've got to pay a little bit of attention there. But it's all it's all looking at those things, I think, in conjunction, rather than here's the one that I just abide by at all times. When do I think Collins is coming back? I'm pretty sure he will be back post All-Star break. Where is the wild thing soundbite from? even the wild thing's gone well. I can't do much about that. Well Ryan, I'm not sure where you're from, but that is cricket commentary from the BBL, which is a Australian cricket league, and it's from when Chris Lynn hit um, Sean Tate onto the roof of the Gabba about 4 or 5 years ago. And I'm sure a lot of those words to most of you mean they don't make any sense at all. Chris Lynn hit Sean Tate onto the roof of the Gabba in the BBL that's where it's from. Does that make sense? I hope so. I'm sure it doesn't. Is Capella trending towards a drop? Yeah, maybe. It really depends on who's on your wire and you know what what other guys are out there, but but yes, he's not playing well. Okay. Would I hold Kyrie Irving after Adam Silver's words? Well, it's not Adam Silver's decision. So while Silver's words were interesting, especially backed up by Eric Adams's Um, I wouldn't be as quick to trade Irving after this. I still don't know that it's going to be reversed and it might not happen until like April and it has no impact in fantasy playoffs. But again, we're at a situation where we've got the all-star break so we can sit here for seven days and wait to see if anything develops. We don't know that it will, but we don't actually have to do anything in these seven days. We can just sit and wait for developments here. Okay. Is Karras a drop? No. But. Wait till... I reckon, I reckon in a week or two, he he is moving that way. Yeah, he is moving that way, but I wouldn't drop him yet. Miles Turner return date? If I knew, you would know. We just don't know. They haven't told us anything about it. Um, I, I don't have any clue. I would say early March is a good guess, but that's just all it is. It's just a guess. We just don't know. Do I hold Baisley through the All-Star break or drop for a streamer today? I think Baisley has been good enough in most of these games that he is worth holding. If you desperately need a game played today, then, and he's your worst guy, then sure, he's a drop. But he hasn't been playing like he's a worst player on a 12-team roster, so I'd be more inclined to hold on. Shay's return date, no idea. Again, maybe just after the break. What's Dante DiVincenzo's outlook rest of the season? There's still a lot of players there. Mitchell, Holiday, Lamb, DiVincenzo. And it's still going to be some ups and downs. Now, is he the guy that I think is the better player between him and Mitchell and Lamb and Holiday? I actually do think he's a better player. Is he that good though? No. Like, he's totally okay and adequate as a starter who might play 26 minutes a night. I don't think I'd be burning 12-team roster spots waiting to see if he can establish himself as the leader of that four-man group. I don't think I'd be doing that, but you know, I think things can get better for him. Ty, I've got no idea about Anthony Simon's draft position next year. Damien Lillard returns, so that hurts him automatically, and they could do a lot of different things. So no way of knowing. Why do I think Jackson Hayes is must roster? I'll tell you why I think that. Because Devontae Graham and CJ McCollum together do not work. And that is becoming apparently clear for the Pelicans. And we saw that last game, 30 minutes from Hayes, 22 minutes or so from Graham. And I think they're going to have to make that switch where Hayes starts. Now, am I 100% confident in this? Of course I'm not. I don't know what they're going to do and they've made poor decisions in the past. And Hayes could have some bad games. There's no doubt about that. But when I say must roster, I'm trying to put all probabilities together and saying, well, this doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense before it happened. It hasn't made sense since arriving. That's the CJ and Devontae pairing. It hasn't made any sense to me. So the other option is to start Jackson. And I would not want to leave him on the wire if that actually comes to fruition. So that's when I say must roster. Is it a guarantee that it's going to work? Of course it isn't. No way. But it's like, I don't want to leave it on the wire to, to see it happen and me have missed out on it. So I'll grab him. We'll give it a week post-break. We'll see if they push him back to 20 minutes a game. I'll see you later. But when the trend is moving in that direction, when Graham's minutes are dropping and hazes are rising, I'll grab him. And we'll see how it pans out over the next week. And then we reassess. Fantasy is consistently moving. Everything you do is always changing based on injury and changes in form and function of coaches and all that. So it's constantly moving. So when you see something start to tick, grab. And then we'll see where it goes. And then we'll make a decision later on. So he could be a must roster now. And in three weeks time, I say, no, you have got to drop him because he's played 19 minutes for seven straight games. And it makes no sense to hold because they've stubbornly gone back to a Graham and McCollum pairing. So there you go. I hope that made sense. Did Spencer D lose the trade to the Mavs? Well, he didn't lose the trade because he's not doing it. Is he a drop in 14 team? Well, he's a clear drop in 12 team leagues for Dinwiddie. In 14 team? Probably. But again, if you're going to drop someone, who are you adding? Are you just is he your worst player? If he's your worst player and you're going to stream that spot, then yes, it's it's an easy drop decision, I think. He's not looking good though at the moment. Would I be surprised if Brogdon doesn't play again this season? Absolutely not, and I think that is likely what's going to happen. There's cryptic words coming out. Look, the fact that he's played like one game in two and a half months and the fact that he's been resting this Achilles waiting for it. And then there was something that was said from either Carlisle or Brogdon the other day talking about it that made me go, yeah, he's not coming back. And I don't remember what the exact thing was. It was something, yeah, how's your Achilles? Or how's Brogdon going? Or something like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Or something like that. It wasn't where like, "No, it's feeling great. I don't know why they continue to list him as questionable. That makes no sense but I, everything to me is trending like there is real problems with this and he won't be back. I just love them to actually tell us that though. or Winslow. I'll take Winslow there, I think, rest of season. Okay, do I drop Derek Rose for Monty Morris? Why are you holding Derek Rose? Yeah, pretty clearly. Is Holmes a drop? Yosef, my guy. Why are you still holding onto Rashawn Holmes? Did I hear the news on KD? What's the news on KD? I don't see any particular news on KD that's come through recently. So what do you mean? Okay. What do I think about Gary Trent this late in the season? Do I finally believe he's a good player? I've said this a million times. right? Gary Trent Jr. has improved significantly this season. Significantly when I did all my preseason projections on him, the information we had to go on, on, it was literally what he had done in the past. And what he had done in the past was a guy that never got steals and was horribly inefficient from the field and chucked up shots and didn't get any rebounds or assists. So again, if I was to come out and say, you know what guys, you know what I think is gonna happen? Gary Trent is gonna come out and double his steal rate and he's gonna become a very, very, he's gonna become like an efficient shooter and he's gonna do it playing 40 minutes a night. You would have said to me, Sorry, kids, but you would have said, are you fucking insane? Like, how can you possibly project shit that has never even given us the slight chance of happening, All right? So that was my issue with him. It's not like he didn't play minutes last year. He played 32 minutes a night last season, was ranked 190th, right? It's not like he didn't play. But what he has done this year is over doubled his steal rate, which helps a ton in rankings. And the shots, instead of being at 41 or 42%, they're at 47% or 46 or whatever it is. It's an improvement there. He has been really good. There's no denying that. He's still cup, chuck a couple of stinkers in there, but he's been very, very good. And I, I again, people will just marry onto something that I've said early on in the season through all this stuff where I was yeah, pretty skeptical of what he did and the fact that he was averaging three steals per game was unrealistic, which it is, even though he's, he's down to two now, it's still a drop-off. But I've said a million times that he's been really good and he's improved significantly. That's okay. Is Jordan Poole still a standard league hold? Yes. He is just um, all right. I reckon we are. Uh, Durant has a small chance of returning immediately after the All Star break. Okay, that that doesn't that's we sort of expected him in March. I would be very sceptical that he's back straight away, and I don't know if this really moves any sort of needle at all. At the moment, I had him projected to return on the first of March anyway. So that's four games, sorry, three games post All-Star. So it's not that far off where, what that report suggests. So it doesn't actually move the needle massively for me. All right, and that, I think will do it for us today. Yeah, that will do it. So don't forget guys, if you are here and you're watching the stream, hit a thumbs up, subscribe, hit the notification bell. If you are listening on audio, hello to you as well. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.